0: This is the podcast that flips the health and wellness industry upside down so you can be your healthiest inside and out. I'm your host, Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist and supplement strategist. Today's episode, how to eat well. Eat to fuel your fire, man. We're doing the nutrition episode today in My Holistic Standard. The model for true holistic care is the wellness pyramid, and at the bottom of the pyramid are the five lifestyle domains nutrition being one of those. So it's finally time to talk about how and what to eat. I'm so very happy to do it. So this is a special guest episode I have with me via video chat today, Elise Simon, a practicing registered dietitian, somebody with some authority here. So it's not just me spitballing because who, who really trusts me anymore, right? Uh, so I'm happy to have her help me with this conversation.
1: Hi, Elise. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. I've always surrounded myself. I told her this, like uh, I've, I've had uh, multiple registered dietitians in my, uh, my squad for quite a long time. I've always loved having RDs around. And as I'll kind of uh, disclose in the podcast, I never really had a formal education in nutrition like most people. And uh, the registered dietitians were the ones that gave me that that insight. So, uh but let's continue with the plugs here visit wellnessupside-down.com for all things podcast related. Please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and even over on YouTube, give us a five-star review as often as you can because I think we're worth it. So I do a little pre-show affirmation and what that is is just some people are tuning in for the first time, they don't know what to expect. Um I want you to live your healthiest life and I'm a big fan of supplements when they're done right. I just don't want you to get lost in the chaos and Uh, confusion that the health and wellness industries intentionally create. So I'm here to help make sure that you don't waste your time, your money, or your energy on the false promises made by these billion-dollar industries. So I'm here to help and to help you on a new and better wellness path. But as a warning, if I get a little ranty, I'm not ranting against you because you made those decisions. I'm ranting against the machine, the system, the misinformation, and the hype that gets folks like you with good intentions to the wrong place. So I'm raging against the machine and not you. So again, today's episode, how to eat well, eat to fuel your fire. The main takeaway, of course, I want you to have clarity around the foundational pieces of nutrition, and I want it to be a clarity that you've never even had before. So we're going to start out by talking about dietary Jenga, how to think and learn about nutrition. Topic two is going to be eat to fuel your fire, redefining nutrition, what makes a food healthy, what makes a meal healthy, and what makes a day Healthy. And topic number three is going to be the the, the crucial question. Uh, I'm sure Elise can <laughs> verify this. Literally, as soon as you educate somebody about nutrition, the first thing that they'll say back normally is, "Okay, so what should I eat?" And we're going to answer that question for people, at least, uh, you know, in, in our limited capacity of not even knowing if anybody's listening, right? That's that's what we'll do. So let's talk to our guests. Here's our formal introduction of Elise. Elise is a registered dietitian and nutritionist in private practice since 19. 19- 1998. She works with people who have eating disorders, body image issues, food allergies, vegan or vegetarian diets, and insulin resistance. Elise has a degree from Bastyr University of Natural Medicine, which gives her work an alternative flavor, and we like that here. With over 20 years of experience in disordered eating and body positivity activism, Elise utilizes her tool bag in innovative ways to address what's in her client's best interest. So, hi Elise. (laughs) That's very fancy. Hi. So I was, uh, you know, you know, you, I say this next sentiment, not to be like uh disrespectful or anything like that, but I believe that I have the trappings of, uh, body dysmorphia, some, some like uh, issues where I see myself differently than I am, and I uh, one of the things that we talked about prior to coming on the podcast was that the stuff that you deal with in your very serious practice, helping people with eating disorders, is really just like a spectrum, and most of us, uh, from a nutritional standpoint, will be somewhere on this spectrum. And so what do you think about that like uh the idea that I I have these kinds of uh concerns about how my body appears and I I view it in a different way than it actually is and those kinds of thoughts.
1: I think it's a spectrum exactly. And the issue between eating disorders and disordered eating is how much of the how much time in the day do you spend thinking about it? Does it interrupt right. other parts of your life? you can't think about work or school or friends because now you're thinking about what your body looks like and where you are and if you're the biggest person in the room or any of the other things.
0: Right. Yeah, it's really interesting to to really think about. And when we are talking about All of our stuff, anything around nutrition, one of the things that I've noticed that you were kind of uh, like talking to me about prior to this was that, you know, all of our nutrition conversations were almost directly tied to weight. And what we tried to do in our last podcast episode, when we were talking about New Year's resolutions and setting a vision, we were more specific about how we wanted people to not set weight loss goals, but to set a vision of like what their approximate body weight would be for them. Right. And, and trying to make that realistic, but more importantly, setting the five tangible, objective, measurable things that they can do on a daily basis, that if they do every day, we'll make those body, um, uh, I guess like physicality goals true. And so like, this is a very, uh, I guess, uh, good episode to have after having that conversation to kind of get into the heart of all of this.
1: I'm not sure we can help anyone lose weight.
0: (laughs) That's an interesting thing to to hear. I don't think losing weight
1: (laughs) is like the verb we need to focus on. I think our behavior change, that's what we do. The result then is weight loss. But if someone's focusing on losing weight, they're that's just a number they're focusing on. They're focusing on the scale. That misses the whole picture of, I actually have to do something differently during my day. I might have to eat more stably or move my body more. But that's what we need to focus on is what do I actually have to do to feel better about myself?
0: So I asked you on the podcast today because you, like me, believe in this, that there's only one way to eat correctly. And if you don't eat that exact way, as I said, perfectly, you're a big, horrible failure and you should feel bad. What do you think about that?
1: Right. I think all of my clients would agree with that, that, (laughs) you know, you're raging against a machine and I want to rage against the other machine of, of, our culture that tells us there's one way to have a body, there's one way to be. And if we don't do everything perfectly, we are bad. It, someone with an eating disorder, or most people, even non eating disordered, feel badly if they don't do what they're told to do in the right way perfectly. Because our culture is so into having these very small boxes that we're allowed to fit in.
0: I, I think the. When it comes to uh, the more common nutritional queries that we get, um, it's really funny, and I'm sure you hear this a lot too, is that people will get dismissive and they'll say, "Ah, I know what I'm supposed to do, right? And then I ask myself, well, why are we having this conversation? And it's because there's a problem with what we know. And as you said, there's a cultural influence, there's a media influence, and there's just so much rhetoric. And so what the point of today and having an expert like you on is to kind of cut through that and help people with some systems to help them filter out a little bit better and then have the baseline for nutritional success better than they've ever had uh, established and foundational for them moving forward.
1: Right. Lots of people know what to do. I think It's the motivation or the behavior change that we don't do. Most people, if you ask them, what does healthy eating mean? They'll, they'll get to fruits and vegetables. Sure. Doesn't mean (laughs) we do it. So I don't think it's always about knowledge. I think it's about what's, what's stopping me from doing these behaviors that make me feel better.
0: So that brings us to our first talking point, which is something I call Dietary Jenga. So I want to briefly talk about this concept. And we brought this up on the podcast before. It's drneil.co forward slash Dietary Jenga, J-E-N-G-A. It's up on the screen right now if you're watching on YouTube. So Dietary Jenga is an analogy to teach a lesson about nutritional information and how we think about nutrition, but it's also a framework for nutritional success. You know, I stink at Jenga. I'm not good at most board games that I play, especially with my children. But I'm told if you play it right, you have to keep your tower upright. And if you weaken that foundation, you're taking the blocks from the bottom and then you put them on the top. That makes your tower crumble. So I like to play Jenga where I just keep the tower nice and straight and I don't move any blocks because that would be dumb and if I certainly wouldn't pull blocks from the bottom because that would make my tower really bad. Now I, I may not be fun to play Jenga with but I think nutritionally your information might be a little bit better handled so that's all that really matters at the end of the day. So And that's what we do with nutrition information, right? We rob from the bottom uh, not paying attention to what's important and then we take those blocks and we put it up at the top at the periphery at that that external layer where everybody's Uh, kind of like talking about stuff that really doesn't matter. So let me kind of put this into, uh, I guess, real life terms. So when people come to me and they ask me about nutrition, one of the first questions that I'll ask them is about, like, you know, name a healthy food. Do you know what foods are healthy? And it's really weird, at least like the first thing that people say are apples. They're like, hey, apples, like like nine out of 10 people will say an apple. And then I'll say to them, okay, so great. So that's a healthy food. What makes it healthy? And the first things that people go to are GMO and organic and, you know, all of the things that are kind of important, but are really out on that outskirt of nutritional importance. And, and. I'll say, well, okay, so what about the macronutrients? What about the complex carbohydrates? What about the vitamins? What about those things? And so, and this is where our, our head is like most of the time. I don't know if you've noticed this uh, as well in practice. I'm sure you have, but in supplements, this is a big thing too. If we don't optimize and think about those things that the the nerds, the 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 rock uh, thinks about as he's working out and, and what supplements he takes, then I'm never going to even like be able to lift weights period. So it's like this optimization mindset. What do you think about that?
1: I think we often miss the big picture of things. Right. So someone might say, okay, it's really good to have vitamin C and I'm going to take two, three thousand units of vitamin C mm-hmm. and not take any bioflavonoids. Like right. they're missing part of it. So well, it's not going to work in your body so well.
0: That's right. Yeah, I think it's it's really uh, weird in my my eyes. And I noticed this from a business guy standpoint, this is a little bit behind the scenes. But when I'm talking about, you know, business decisions, and like, what do I want to do for my future? I hear people like, it back. Like, well, you got to, you got to like inch out every dollar and you got to optimize and you, and you know, Oh, I want to invest in the stock market. Well, you got to get 15%. If you don't get that 15%, you're not going to, you might as well just not even bother. And I'm like, well, what about 7%? That sounds pretty awesome to me. Right. And so we have this, I don't know if it's our culture or if it's just a global culture, but that's where our heads are at. So the idea here of dietary Jenga is to split the nutritional information into levels as it would pertain to a Jenga tower. We want to know what's important. And that's what this does. This allows us a prioritization of nutritional information. So level one at the bottom of the Jenga tower, the most important stuff is like what's healthy and what's not. I think that's important for people to know. It's the general information. It's the definitions. And that's what we're going to focus the most on today. Level two is as important, if not more important, as Elise and I have been talking about, It's about the habits, the timing of the meals, and tackling the mental and psychological obstacles that are associated with nutrition. Level three is where we get into the numbers, uh, and this is something that we made uh, a point of early in the podcast history Our episode number three talked about calories, but we talked about how unimportant they were to other things. And so this level three is mostly about varying your diet, making sure that you're exposing yourself to lots of different foods, but then it's talking about portion sizes, calories, and the metrics and numbers that you should be pursuing. So again, more importantly to me, you know what makes a food healthy. You know what the, the real information is, not the clouded optimization, mindset information, and then you know the habits and psychological stuff, then you can start to tackle calories and all of that other stuff that people kind of lead with often. Level four of the Jenga tower is the quality of your food. At this point in the conversation, I say to people, okay, now is a bad time to be eating gas station sushi. Let's try to get some higher level uh, quality food. Again, this is another one where people go a little nuts and you and I would agree That it's important to uh, have nutrition that is uh, of higher quality because of the vitamins and minerals that they'll be exposed to, plus all of the, you know, processing that happens. So, you know, it is better to probably have free range chickens than mass produced chickens from like a Tyson warehouse. But it's not the most important thing. Most important thing would be to incorporate protein rich foods into your diet. And finally, level five, this is where the geeks dwell. This is micromanaging and really geeking out on the stuff. And this is where if you want to start having uh, philosophical debates about GMO and organic and all of that stuff, that's when you can kind of go up here and you can really micromanage your diet and make it perfect if that's what you want. But I never want the perfect to be the enemy of the good, right? I want people right. to be on a path uh, and what you find and what we've said on the podcast before, and you can kind of tune in, uh, chime in here is uh, a B is, is great when it comes to your health and wellness.
1: Definitely. I had an acupuncturist friend who would say 80, 20, right? And 80% of the time we want to do what's good and healthy and makes us feel good about ourselves. hmm of the time we get to have those fun foods and maybe for some people we need to adjust that depending on whatever's going on with them.
0: Yeah. Everything in moderation, not uh, including moderation of course. And like we, we have to live our lives and enjoy our lives. And you know, the, the, uh, this actually talks about a psychological thing, how we view food as a reward system and like that's a behavioral problem. But yeah, I mean the idea that we focus so much on the peripheral stuff when we should be focusing 80% of our energy on the 20% at the bottom. Like that's what matters the most, right? So we, you know, we want to know what what to do, but we want to know what's important. You know, all of the components that we talked about with nutrition, including the stuff about geeking out, is important, but they're not urgent. And that's what we want to do. We want to prioritize. We have to recognize our relationship to food as being super important and one of the most uh, like urgent things that we do when we're dealing with our nutrition stuff. So let's eat to fuel your fire. So Elise, how? Do we get people to learn? Uh, I guess learn everything all over again. How, how do you get people to realize that what they know might not be serving them or might not be accurate?
1: That's a great question. I think I would ask someone, "How's it working for you so far?" Right, right, <laughs> right. right. Like mm-hmm. we know, I've been doing it this way. I've been yo-yoing with my weight for thirty years, and it's not going so well. I go to a different diet every other week it's not working. That's right. That's how we know. Well, let's figure <laughs> out something else that works.
0: Right. And, you know, I like to keep it real. Of course, uh, I say to people like, well, what do you really know? You know, like I don't have uh, people that are, uh, you know, uh, in crisis, thankfully. So they're just kind of like in the, a counterside console. So I can kind of tease them a little bit more. But I'm like, what do you really know? I mean, we're all friends. I don't know much of anything. I have a six year clinical degree, an advanced degree in pharmacy and my nutritional training. Uh, I guess like the last formal nutritional training was in my home ec class and that was the food pyramid, right? And I was doing 15 servings of simple carbohydrates <laughs> a day as a foundational part of my diet. I'm like what the heck, right? And the only reason that I know anything as a pharmacist is because I had a team of registered dietitians working for me. So I like to redefine the words to get started. So what, what is it that makes a food healthy?
1: I would love to answer this with my favorite professor, okay. Buck Levin at mm-hmm. Bastyr University. He would give us a he gave us a definition for, well, first, what is food? Okay. And his definition was food. Food is anything that exists not to be eaten. What?
0: <laughs> right. So if
1: we think about it, it's a pretty extreme definition, That's but I extreme? like it because it gets us thinking about things. Yeah. A peach is food. Because the reason a peach exists t- is to make another peach tree. A Twinkie does is not food because the reason a Twinkie exists is to be eaten. That's the only reason it's here. Wheat is, is exists because it's going to grow another wheat plant. Right? So we get back to what really is food, which kind of speaks about, well, what's processed, what's not processed. But if we think about how like our ancestors ate or even- 150 years ago, I want people to eat real food that comes from the ground. And I want them to feel good about what they're eating. Right. Sometimes it doesn't matter what we eat. We just have to feel good about it. And does my body feel good? Am I really hungry? Do I feel good about how I'm nourishing myself?
0: Right. You know, the, and, and like the defining of the, how do I feel good I feel great after eating a bag of M&Ms, but then I feel bad like 20 minutes later, right? So it's it's that lasting effect that you have to talk about. So when I'm talking to people about this and trying to like set a framework for them, I talk about the nutrient density because that's what the FDA talks about, even though they're a bunch of clowns when it comes to this stuff. You know, like they talk about the nutrient density. So we talk about how it's rich in one or more macronutrients. So do you want to kind of, you know, we have this thing about good and bad, right? That's how most of us talk about nutrition. So what do you think about good and bad? And do you have uh, an example? Can, can, can you walk us through like the different macronutrients and that kind of a
1: thing? Sure. Okay. So good and bad are not words I ever use mm-hmm. in regarding to someone's diet, like what we eat, um, because mm-hmm. then we feel good or bad about ourselves based on what we ate, which is kind of confusing. Right. There are three foods I will call bad and they're not foods. Um, artificial sweeteners. Soda and trans fat. None of those exist to, to help us they're, they're contraindicated. They don't help us actually get the things we want and to feel good about and to feel good in our bodies. So then macronutrients, this is the base of your Jenga. We have to eat our macronutrients, carb, protein, and fat. Right. Some foods are one of these macros and some foods are a combination. Right. So carbohydrates, uh, are things like starches and grains and fruit and vegetables. Yeah, man. Carbohydrates have such a bad rap, but vegetables are carbohydrate. They don't have many grams of carbohydrates, but that's the category they go in.
0: Right, and this is where it starts to get kind of complicated too, because as you're saying, a food and a macronutrient are two different things. So the, what we need are the macronutrients. They come from foods. And as you said, like most of them are naturally occurring, they're, they're around us and then we can take them and incorporate them into our bodies. And this is where, you know, people get lost because we want to apply those labels. It's a shortcut. It helps us kind of solve problems, but we, you know, we, we get stuck on this idea that it's all or nothing. And, you know, when it comes to some, some foods, you know, it's not just all one thing. So you had said, as we've said before, trans fats are bad and trans fats are bad. They actually have no human health benefit, but they're naturally occurring and found in nuts and seeds. And so we're incorporating them into our diets. And, and so when people say... Uh, well, you shouldn't have this bad food, it's impossible to avoid these things. So really what it comes down to is understanding the relationship of macronutrients, the things that we want, and foods, which are containers for all of these different macronutrients. And then it's identifying foods that are rich in the macronutrients that are beneficial to our health and our, our well-being. So what are some... What are some, what are some healthy foods that people can eat on a regular basis? Like give us a little list.
1: So when I think about menu planning or meal planning, I want people to have combinations of each of the macronutrients. Yes. It's got to have carb, protein, and healthy fat. So maybe for breakfast, a breakfast that lots of my clients eat is oatmeal. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's the grain, it's the starch, the carbohydrate, plus a scoop of natural peanut butter. Right. I didn't say skip your GIF because that has added trans fat. I said natural peanut butter, just peanuts, oil, salt. That's fine. And we mix those together. Now we have a meal.
0: So what is the difference between a food and like a meal, uh, I guess? So tell me, tell me that.
1: So a food might just be one thing. Um,
0: One macronutrient.
1: I wouldn't, I don't even necessarily think that deeply into it. A food is just, it's a food. It's broccoli. It's a banana. Mm hmm. And a meal would be the combination of all three of the macronutrients and a snack might be just a smaller amount.
0: Perfect. And that's exactly what, so this is, I know I was trained right because you're a skilled registered dietitian. So I know I'm on the right track here, folks. So yeah. So the idea here is like a food contains one or more macronutrients and then a meal is all three at once. And a snack is just a smaller meal. Very, very simple stuff. And as long as we start thinking about our nutrition in that way, we can start to put together things a little bit better. So let's get a couple examples of like what a healthy like breakfast would look like. Why don't you just kind of throw that out there for people and keep it simple. Like nothing that you have to prepare. Cause one of the other things I noticed when we were talking about that optimization, optimization mindset is that people think they have to cook like those Instagram meals that are like those big, like full pictures with like 40 different macronutrients, 40 different foods. And that's what's healthy. Right. So let's just keep it simple. What, what should I eat for a a healthy breakfast?
1: I'll tell you Mm -hmm. stories from my clients. So one of my clients makes egg muffins and she makes them on the weekends and she makes scrambled eggs, with all the vegetables cut up and put in there, she makes them once, she cooks yep. them, she freezes them, puts them in a baggie. Every morning she takes one out. Maybe she has it with a piece of toast. That's a okay. great healthy breakfast. Because right. I think breakfasts get extra healthy if we add the fruit and veggies. Because usually right. we're not so, we focus on lunch and dinner for fruits and vegetables, or at least mm-hmm. vegetables. So if we can sneak them into breakfast, even better. I had I had another client right. who um, eats eggs with uh, riced cauliflower.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Super. Cause that you don't have to prepare. She buys it in the bag, puts it in her eggs, adds toast. Great. She's, she's up. She's got one uh, vegetable for the day already.
0: <laughs> so a good breakfast is an egg because it's rich in protein and fat, because that's a healthy food because it's rich in those macronutrients. And then adding that third Uh, macronutrient that we're missing, those complex carbohydrates, the vegetable, put those together and you have a very simple and very healthy meal that you've just eaten. And, you know, not that we're talking about calories, but what you'll find is when you're eating real foods that are balanced correctly, the calorie amount that you need to actually feel full is a lot less than what people think. And you actually are hungry or less often because you're satiating. And that's where we get into the fire stuff. And so I'll be talking about my eat to fuel the fire analogy briefly, but I want to kind of talk about, you know, one more component. So a snack. So you said a snack is just a healthy meal, which is three, uh, all three macronutrients that we need at one time. A snack is just a smaller one. So what would be an ideal like snack for somebody to eat?
1: Carrots and hummus. Boom. Nuts and fruit. Uh, okay. A bar like a Lara bar. I like Lara mm-hmm. bars because they're just food. They're right. I know what the ingredients are. I can read them. There's nothing, no, can I say Added. crap? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can say crap. There's, there's no crap in it.
0: All right, great. Yeah. If you want to swear, we can swear too. Like you can <laughs> say the F word. I'll That's good. I'm good. <laughs> so, so the idea of a snack being just a smaller representation of, like a healthy meal, that's an important thing for people to hear because I think that um, snacking to most people is junk food. And so to to hear that uh, a snack is essentially just a smaller combination of these things, very important. And snacking is important to you, right? Like it's it's important uh, as part of your nutritional program.
1: Well, you mentioned what people tend to snack on is junk food. And I would ask yeah. that person, mm-hmm. is, it is it because you're hungry? If you're hungry, eat food. Right. If you're not hungry, let's talk about what that what is going on.
0: That's true. Yeah. And so that gets into some of the behavioral stuff. And just to share, because I always like to share on the podcast here, like my behavioral stuff is I am stressed right now and I need to either like chew on something to show my anger or I need that dopamine hit to feel a little bit better because I'm going through a challenge. And so let's get some junk food going on, right? Instead of like reaching for a carrot, my first thing is like, what's that thing that's going to give me the instant dopamine hit? And so that's an important piece because if you're not hungry, there's something else going on. There's some other psychological connection. So we talked about some healthy foods. And one of the things that I like to talk about when we're talking about healthy foods, before we kind of get into all of this structure stuff, is that There are bad foods besides that short list that you kind of talked about, like trans fats and sugars and sodas and all of that stuff. They're bad foods because they're not good for you. And so these are like the allergens, right? And and there are people that can't eat specific types of foods. So please don't eat those. Those are bad, quote unquote. But then there's also foods that just don't jive with specific people.
1: Right. And that's where I would say to someone – It's not that the food is bad because I want to take that word and really throw it out. Right. It's this is what happens to you when you eat it. You you, you get um, bloated and diarrhea and you don't feel well or you get (laughs) tired or your skin breaks out. Right. That's what happens when you, not everybody, just when you eat it or, okay, maybe I can eat chocolate covered espresso beans if I have three at a time. But when I have 15, Mm -hmm. then, you know, I have my head kind of explodes.
0: I can see through the wall. Right. I can can do that. Right. Right. And and so if you're a fan of diarrhea, then please eat the thing that gives you diarrhea. But most people don't want diarrhea. Just so we're clear on the messaging here.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. And I would (laughs) offer to people that sometimes we do what doesn't work for us for a long time until we're really convinced. Because it's hard. It's hard to make change. It's hard to accept for those gluten-free people for the celiacs like oh mm-hmm. I, I really can't eat this
0: yeah so let's explain that more because I think that's an important sentiment for people to hear
1: so I had a client who uh, was dairy intolerant when she mm-hmm. ate dairy she would have to go to the bathroom immediately for hours right it gave her IBS irritable bowel syndrome
0: mm-hmm.
1: diarrhea constipation cramps it took her a long time to really accept, oh, maybe it's not the dairy. Maybe it's I just yeah. did this or I did that. She worked. We worked together for a long time for her to say, look, it really is. If I take out the dairy, I feel so much better.
0: So we talked about what makes a food healthy, the fact that it's rich in one or more macronutrients. We talked about what makes a meal healthy, that it has all three of them. And we said that a snack is just a smaller version of a meal. So my question to you, Elise, is how do we make our day nutritionally healthy? What should we be doing throughout the day? And like, I guess that what I'm asking you is like, how, what time should I eat breakfast? Should I have a snack, lunch, all of the timing aspects and like how to fill our day with nutrition.
1: Right, so the rule of thumb is we want to eat our first meal within two hours of waking. Mm-hmm. And, and then we want to eat between four and five hours after that, that would be mm-hmm. theoretically our three meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yep. Um Some people need that snack midday. I have, there's some people because of your schedules, I have teachers, especially teachers. They can't eat when they're hungry. Right. Or nurses. Teachers and nurses are are my hardest clients.
0: That was my second thing I was going to add in there.
1: Yeah. They eat when they can. So sometimes we have to eat when it's not mealtime, when we're not hungry because we don't know when we're going to get to eat again. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing I would do Is to plan. Yeah. Now, what's our day going to look like today? When can I get breakfast, lunch, dinner? I have a lot of students. Well, when can you fit from class? When do you have a break that you can go to the dining hall and get food? Or what if your lunch is at 10? I have other students. What if your lunch is at 1045 in the morning? You have to eat then, because that's when your break is.
0: All right. So this brings us to my eat to fuel your fire analogy. So if we woke up in the tundra tomorrow and we had the only survival skill of making a campfire, how long would you last? How long would it take you to start losing digits? And I don't want you to lose any digits. So what I tell people is that in order to make our fire, to provide us the energy that we need to stay warm and not lose toes... We have to know how to construct a fire that's going to last throughout the whole day, right? It's going to last us as long as possible. So to make a fire, you need three types of wood. You need kindling, you need those worker logs, and you need those bigger logs that are going to burn for some time. And if you think about it from a nutritional standpoint, uh, our macronutrients are very similar to that uh, in how quickly it takes for them to catch fire to give us energy and how long they last giving us energy in our bodies, so carbs are like the kindling and they are, uh, you know, they catch fire really quickly and then they they burn out kind of quickly. They give us enough to kind of get the get the warmth started. And as a little note, we had kind of made mention between the two types of carbohydrates, simple and complex in our conversation. It's not really important for right now, but like simple carbohydrates are kind of like, I don't know, like pine needles and leaves they burn really quickly they make a lot of smoke they might not produce enough energy and that's why we prefer the complex carbohydrates which are like those little twigs that actually are good for a fire fruits and vegetables are the more preferred kind of uh, uh kindling to use there our proteins are our worker logs they start fire. Uh, they They catch fire in a little bit, so they give us energy after a little bit more time than the carbohydrates, and they last a little bit longer, actually pretty substantially longer than uh, carbohydrates. And finally, we have the fats. Those are the big logs. It takes a while for that our body to start to get energy from that, but that will last us a while. Ask anybody who's had a, a whopper and they will tell you that they don't need to eat until next Tuesday because the fat concentration just sits in your gut and it takes forever for you to use that energy up and actually need some energy from that, right? So in and to make that proper fire, we need all three of these components and I see people, when it comes to the nutritional analogy, and this is where I'm going to bring Elise in back into the conversation here, is um, when people make their campfires, before they understand this construction of everything... They will be piling their kindling sky high or they'll only be eating the worker logs or their diet will be really rich in those big, chunky logs and they're not making successful fires. So let's talk about folks that come to you and say for breakfast, instead of having an egg and vegetables, I'm just having a fruit salad or I'm just having I'm just having oatmeal, which is more common, right?
1: Sure. Definitely more common. And I say, well, how long does it last you? When are you hungry? Right. Well, it lasts about an hour. Well, I go down to the office and there are donuts, so I eat those.
0: (laughs) And then how long does that last you?
1: So let's try it, right? We do a lot of experimenting. Let's try it. Let's put the peanut butter in the oatmeal. Or let's take the fruit salad and put that on top of some uh, Greek yogurt and see if you feel any better. See if it holds you. If you can think a little bit more clearly, if you're a little less cranky by Mm -hmm. 11 o'clock.
0: I think that that's brilliant because the you know the the point here is that like we don't have to really throw away our diets we just have to understand if the foods that we're eating are healthy they're one of the pieces of kindling or you know one or more pieces of the kindling and do we have all of the three pieces all together when we eat so it's not bad to eat oatmeal especially if it's a healthy source of oatmeal it's just not a proper fire you're not going to get long lasting heat from it. And so, and that's our goal. Our goal is to make a fire so that we stay warm and we don't lose our toes. <laughs> so making a proper fire by just adding different types of wood to the, the, the bad boy is really all we're looking for.
1: Sure. Yeah. Lots of people like, you're making me think of oatmeal. Like, they like, you know, overnight oats. Yes. And you put the oats and you put the raisins and you put whatever else we <laughs> have to make sure to put the nuts in. That's, right. that's the, that's the protein fat.
0: Right. So in order to balance out your thing to make a proper fire, add in that fat and you're good to go. And so, you know, the thing about fires that I like to talk about, though, is that they they don't last. And so especially if you're using only one single source of firewood, one type of macronutrient, the fires go out rather quickly and that even goes for bonfires, right? You can set a massive bonfire and it'll only burn for a certain amount of time. It's not going to burn forever. It's not going to keep you warm all day. Uh, so the analogy there is like Thanksgiving, there's people that will sit down, they'll eat 5,000 calories and guess what will happen in like three hours, four hours? I could eat, right? And so we, we have to understand that in order to stay warm, which is our goal, for our health we need to make a fire but then we need to tend to that fire and keep replenishing that fiber fire throughout the day and that's where the meal snack timing piece comes in so we're making a proper meal and then we're having the meals at regular intervals to make sure that we're keeping our fire burning throughout the day and so you know when we talk about warmth what i'm essentially saying is energy blood glucose and metabolism. So do you want to like chime in on any of that stuff about how like people have ups and downs of this stuff and how it like impacts them?
1: I think when we only eat carbohydrate, we go on a blood glucose roller coaster. Yeah. We eat the carbohydrate, our blood sugar goes up and then it drops down really quickly. That's the roller coaster. And when people are at the bottom, all they want to do is eat carbohydrate again.
0: So uh, one of the things that we have happen a lot, fuzzy, foggy thinking, people coming to us and saying that they're fearful that they're at the edge of Alzheimer's disease, because that's what the media is telling them, because they're getting forgetful and they have fuzzy, foggy thinking. And I say to them, tell me about your nutrition. Tell me about your mother. Tell me about your nutrition. And sure enough, they're not eating to fuel their fire. They're not eating healthy foods. They're carbohydrate heavy, protein and fat light. And that simple change can make them feel better. How do you deal with that normally in your practice? And how often does that come up?
1: It comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it it is definitely about what someone's eating or how they're eating it or Mm -hmm. the frequency. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is an intolerance to something. And so we will investigate and try things to see, well, is it just that you're eating toast every morning plain? And so we add the egg. We add the avocado, we add the nut butter, we add something. Does that make it better?
0: There's one thing that people who camp know that uh, more than anything is that you're not going to have very much capacity to build fires while you're dead asleep. (laughs) And so you have to kind of survive on the embers from the fire of the night before in order to keep you warm throughout the night. You have this uh, period of time where you just physically can't do that kind of stuff. So How important then is our evening snack?
1: It's so funny that this conversation reminds me, I lived outside for many years. Um,
0: Like physically? Yeah. That's cool.
1: Nothing's going to keep you warm unless you, you have some food in your stomach because your body can't keep making heat if you're hungry. All right. Take a tablespoon of peanut butter before you go to bed right? Eat peanut butter and an apple. And what we know for people with blood sugar issues is their body can't often go all night long without food. So they need to have that nighttime snack again with the protein fat, which will burn longer and slower during the night.
0: Right. You know why I see this the most? With little children. So the parents say, my kid's not sleeping. And I say, feed the little guy. We'll tell them to just have apples and peanut butter, like a couple slices of an apple and a teaspoon of peanut butter before bed or something along those lines. You know, we used to drink a warm glass of milk before bed to help us sleep better. Right. And we uh, will sure enough find that most kids will sleep tremendously better with that. And that's, you know, when it comes to sleeping, uh, which is another important lifestyle domain, uh, we can't. Uh, Like disregard the importance of nutrition, nighttime nutrition, where we tend to not want to eat at night for lots of different reasons. But I think that it people have to remember that we want you to eat. Now, do you want people to eat like twenty minutes before getting into bed at least?
1: No. Might it happen? Sure. Mm -hmm. And you bring up that intermittent fasting, yeah. Which I sometimes (laughs) chuckle at uh, when and so my client, some clients, some people come. I want to do intermittent fasting. I'm like, okay, do it. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. 2 days later. Yeah. They're done. Right. It's not how we yeah.
0: Let's now talk about the most important question, which we've answered a little bit here, uh, which is what should I eat? And so, what I'd like to do is to construct a few simple low prep meals and snacks for people. Um, you know, because you know, how do I eat? So let's start out with breakfast. We've talked about a couple things, so I'll save you the 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 um, I'll save you the breath. It's uh, eggs with some vegetables. That's a really great breakfast because it's proteins, fats, and the complex carbohydrates. You've made a really solid fire. Question though, what if you're a vegetarian or a vegan?
1: Right, then we have avocado toast. Then we have uh, oatmeal and peanut butter and fruit. Or we make a smoothie. Maybe Mm -hmm. we put tofu in the smoothie. Maybe we put frozen avocado in the smoothie. Mm -hmm. Or we use a protein powder.
0: All right, so then do we have a mid-morning snack? Do you think that people should have that?
1: I think it's up to the person. It's up to Mm -hmm. how you feel. Right. Some people really need it. I need it. And I will have generally an apple and peanut butter. Maybe I'll have some leftover breakfast. If I don't finish all my eggs and veggies for breakfast, I might keep some and eat it at snack.
0: That's an important strategy, especially as it pertains to people's goal of weight management. Uh, We can often take the meals that we've prepped for ourselves and cut it in half and have half of it for the meal time and then the other half for the snack time. And that works really well for me when I'm trying to lose weight. I just will take half of everything and kind of spread it out a little bit more to kind of let it burn. So nuts and a fruit, nuts and a vegetable, nut butter. Is there such a thing as overdoing it on nut butters throughout the day?
1: Sure, there's you can overdo anything,
0: yeah, but I guess like more to the point, like if I'm having two to three snacks a day to try to like fill in those gaps in between my meals and get ready for bed, and I use peanut butter or almond butter for every single one, is that something that you would recommend, or is it something that you would tell people uh that they have to work on?
1: No, I wouldn't say they had to work on that. I would say it depends how much you're eating mm-hmm. in the snack, is it? Mm-hmm. Two tablespoons of nut butter. Is it a little bit? Is it a half a cup? Like, how much are you doing? What about almond butter? Mm
0: -hmm. What about
1: just some nuts? Yeah. Pumpkin seeds are amazing for us. They're so high in zinc. I would ask them before I said, look, don't do this. I'm gonna say, well, how's it working? Are you getting constipated? Like, how's it working? (laughs) Do you have enough fiber in your diet? I,
0: I mean, I think it's important. There's two kind of pieces to that, right? So there's the part where variety really matters. And as we said before, variety is something that we want to talk about a little bit later because what's really important is to have the habits of every time we eat something, have it be a combination of all the different macronutrients, maybe reducing the simple carbohydrates and adding in proteins and fats and changing out and making things look a little bit more uh, like a healthier, warmer fire, right? And in that part of it, I think it's okay to kind of quote unquote, overdo it. It's okay to have duplication because it might be easier for people to pick up that habit, right. And make that change. And then that's
1: the black belt stuff that you're talking about. Right. Like we don't have to be black belt. We can start at a different color Right. say right now I have to eat the same foods to get the pattern down, to get the routine down.
0: You know, one of the things we've talked about here is how I need to get on the rails. I went to Europe and like I'm still reeling from it because the food was real and it was awesome and it was great. And I ate a lot of it and I was walking 10 miles and I came home to American food and I still haven't been (laughs) like back on the rails. But when I say the rails, I talk about a very kind of um, uh, a diet that matches identically to the stuff that we're building out here for people, but it's very consistent and I guess not very, uh, not much. Variety, right? It's not really varied. And because that's what gets me back on track for the healthy eating. And then once I've done that and I've been consistent about it, and I'm not reaching for the junk food, instead reaching for the real food, I can then start to mix it up a little bit and change the nuts, change the the fruit source, change the vegetable, add this, add that. And so I would say in these early phases, when you're first learning about nutrition and rebuilding your, your nutrition from the ground up, making those fires, it's okay to just eat peanut butter at every snack. It's okay. You don't want to listen to the people that are telling you peanut butter's the the least healthy nut, dude. You got to, you got to eat almond nuts, you know, like that's the only, and like, you don't want to, you want to tune all that stuff out and just focus on the fact that you are in fact eating a healthy food because of the macronutrient content.
1: Definitely, behind my curtain here is a big jar of organic peanut butter.
0: Nice. All right, so we did our morning thing, we did our snack thing. What's a healthy lunch look like to you?
1: So for the vegan, we wanna have beans. We have to focus on the protein because that for vegans and vegetarians is harder to come by. Yeah. So maybe it's beans or tofu, maybe it's a bean burrito. Yeah. Beans and rice. And vegetables. Um, maybe it's a soup. Maybe it's a salad with cut up tofu in it mm-hmm. or a salad with hummus and chips. Right. Right. We're adding all the different parts salad, hummus, and chips. I didn't have to cook any of that.
0: Right, and it's simple, and it's not like like extravagant. It's it's easy, and so my typical lunch as a, a non-plantosaurus rex, I would eat a salad with some slices of chicken and maybe some olive oil or some basic dressing on top of it, just for that fat source, right? But my salads tend to because I I tend to eat out uh, as I'm in Woodstock, they have like, uh, like feta cheese and stuff that they put on them, which is really great. So we have an afternoon snack, which we know, right? So we could literally do the same thing that we did for our morning snack. We can do uh, nut butter and fruit. We can do hummus and vegetables. There's a million different things we can do. So those little celery stalks with peanut butter in them, you're telling me at least those were actually really great
1: for us. Sure. Ants on a log. You got Ants your fruit, vegetable log. and protein. <laughs>
0: And what does dinner look like? How do do we uh, make a healthy dinner?
1: Easy to think about dinner. It's a starch, a protein, vegetable, and the fat is in there. So maybe it's a sweet potato and a salmon burger or a grass-fed beef burger Mm -hmm. and a bun or roasted cauliflower or, you know, I put in the carbohydrate or there's a vegetable. Um, Again, it could be the grain. It's rice. Oh, we like in our house, we like rice bowls. So it's rice and beans and vegetables and some cheese and salsa and guac. Great.
0: I, I've always said that dinner is where people get it right. You know, we, because if you look at a traditional American dinner, it's, it's the, literally the three major macronutrients, <laughs> right? right?
1: But why is that, right? Why do people get dinner right more often?
0: Because they're home and they're cooking and they have time to do it. Is that true?
1: Yes. And they're mm-hmm. thinking about it. They're planning mm-hmm. it. Yeah oh, what am I going to make for dinner?
0: Yeah, dinner is that thing. Isn't that weird? Like it's, you know, you go on vacation with people and and literally in the morning, everybody's like, well, what are we doing for dinner? Like That's the thing that everybody's working towards through the day. (laughs) And so an evening snack, nighttime snack. Do you have any suggestions for people for that that would be not as irritating or potentially problematic for people that are worried about having a good night's sleep?
1: If I'm not going to say nuts or nut butter and fruit again. (laughs) Yes, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Right, Yeah. (laughs) I think yogurt and fruit, Greek yogurt with some fruit, a little bit of, um, cereal with some milk, right? So we can make, we can fortify any of our baked goods with protein and fat. So it's, and we, maybe it's, um, uh, who is that simple mills crackers, which are made out of almond flour. Maybe it's a couple pieces of cheese and some crackers or a vegetable or a little bit of leftover dinner.
0: So is there anything that you want to add to the conversation or like leave us with before we say goodbye here?
1: I would say that we get to focus on what we're eating. Also, we really need to focus on how we feel about what we're eating.
0: Yeah, I think that it's it's an important concept that comes after you've made the commitment to eating more healthy macronutrients, balancing them for... Uh, proper fire building, right? And then snacking throughout the day to ensure that you're staying warm as your day progresses, you can start to settle in on some common choices. And those common choices might feel boring to you, or you might just get sick of eating salad, right? And while it's nutritious, um, it's not really good for you because you're right. getting sick of it and you may stop eating it and go for more exciting stuff. So I think that's an important piece, right?
1: And it might not be enough. And right. It might not be what your body needs.
0: I think we accomplished our goals here, at least I think we taught people like what makes foods healthy. It's not the fact that they're GMO or organic or free ranged vegan for sure. plus things. It's really about their macronutrient content. Foods aren't macronutrients. They're a blend of macronutrients and, Most of the things that you will find that are in their whole form, plants, vegetables, nuts, seeds, even meats and such are healthy sources of nutrition. And it's really important for us to balance those together uh, to make sure that we're getting carbohydrates, protein, and fats every time we eat something. That provides us energy and blood sugar and metabolism fuel for hours, but- that wears off. We have to replenish that fire, as I call it, with m- snacks which are just smaller meals and meals throughout the day that still stick to that parameter of it has to be balanced macronutrients, proteins, fats and complex carbohydrates every time we eat. And we have to consider how this food makes us feel. And a lot of people switching from their current diet, which is normally off balance, whether it's the timing or the consistency or the makeup of the food types and macronutrients. Switching from that to this uh, this better way to eat, I, I would say a, a more nutritious way to eat, um, in and of itself, is a radical change and makes people feel better. But even that can start to wear a little thin. So we have to be ready to vary our diets and change things up a bit and have a little bit of a a game plan. But it really comes down to being thoughtful. The impulsive stuff that we do when we buy uh, our foods, when we reach for foods just to make ourselves feel better or because we are so busy we don't have time to make important things like nutrition important. Uh, really doesn't do us any service at all. So I, I've always said, uh, just as a recap, that uh, you know, good nutrition is simple, but it's not easy. Like all of our lifestyle domains like sleep and mental well-being, the environment and physical fitness, simple but not easy. And so It is very simple to talk about this stuff. It's not easy to implement these habits. And I think that what's most important is that you start. You understand this information from a more basic standpoint. Put a big filter on. Ignore all the stuff that's out there. And try. Take one step forward as we say in the podcast here, and just do your best. And, you know, you have experts. Registered dietitians, are your friend. If you're local, Elise is the person to talk to. She can refer you on uh, to people that can help with your specific needs. So, Elise, thanks for coming on the podcast, man.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Neil.
0: So that does it for this week's podcast episode. Take a few minutes to give us a five-star review and share the podcast to your social feeds. Visit wellnessupsidedown.com for all things podcast. And remember, being our healthiest starts with being honest about ourselves and the health and wellness industries, then blazing a new path, marching forward one step at a time. I'm Dr. Neil Smoller, and I've got your back. Thanks for joining me.